Amen. And just come as close as you can to the front of this house. Amen. Grab your, your purse, your Bible. Amen. Thank you in advance for accommodating such a simple request tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm going to repeat the request for the hearing impaired tonight. But if you are sitting anywhere in the sanctuary and you see space in front of you, would you, would you please honor my request? Would you scoot as close as you can to the front tonight? Amen. That means find a pew that's further in front of you than the one you're sitting in and get as close as you can to the front of this house. Amen. Amen. I appreciate it so much. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Sister Pack. If she can, if she can grab her walker all the way from the back wall and come to the front, some of y'all ain't got no excuses right now. Amen. Amen. I want you to grab your Bibles tonight. And we're going to go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 22. I don't know how much uh, high-intensity preaching that I will be delivering tonight. But I want to deliver my heart to this house tonight. And we are visiting a text that, that I have preached from directly to this house on more than one occasion but it is a word that I feel like from time to time as the Lord tarries uh, the Lord would have me come back and reestablish old landmarks and sometimes if we're not careful in our walk with God, there are wells of commitments that we dig deep to grasp reservoirs of consecration to God that through the course of time, the enemy will come in behind us and fill those wells up. And every once in a while, you got to go back and redig some wells. Amen. I said every once in a while you got to go back and, and reestablish some things. And so, so that is what we're going to do tonight. And I want to read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 22, verse number 20 is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me. While you're turning there, how many of you are thankful for what the Lord did in this house today? What an incredible move of God we had this morning. And uh, Hilda was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost before the service ever started. And then immediately following the service, Israel was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins. And then tonight we've already had at least one receive the Holy Ghost in the altars. There's no telling what God wants to do before we leave this house. Amen, somebody. Amen. Book of Isaiah, chapter 22, verse number 20 says, And it shall come to pass in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim. 
the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle, and I will commit thy government into his hand. And he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. So he shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. And he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. And they shall hang upon him all the glory of his father's house. The offspring and the house all from the vessels of cups even uh, to all the vessels of flagons. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall the nail that is fastened in the sure place be removed and be cut down and fall and the burden that was upon it shall be cut off for the Lord hath spoken it. And for a few moments tonight, I simply want to teach or preach however the Lord would allow it to be delivered simply about a nail in a sure place. A nail in a sure place. One more time, would you clap your hands all over this sanctuary? Come on, one more time. Can we lift our voice and magnify the Lord together all over this house tonight? Amen. You may be seated for a few moments tonight. I want to first begin by giving you just a little bit of history prior to the text that we read tonight. If you were to study the word of the Lord, you would quickly find that the prophet Isaiah is contemporary to the reign and the kingdom of King Hezekiah. He is operating in ministry at a particular time when King Hezekiah is sitting upon the throne. And in this particular portion of the Word of God, we find the prophet declaring a word unto the house of the kingdom of God concerning an issue that God has taken up with part of the kingdom of God. The Lord has visited the prophet Isaiah and let him know that there are some things transpiring in the kingdom of God that he is displeased with. It is apparently gone to the place where God has made a decision to render judgment concerning this issue. And so it is that he delivers an edict uh, 
to Jeremiah that is to be delivered to the house of King Hezekiah. And the Lord said, I want you to go down with my word in your mouth. And I want you to prophesy and begin to declare that I have rejected the ministry and the place of a man by the name of Shebna. You must understand that Shebna was in the kingdom of Hezekiah, a man who was given the responsibility by God to hold the keys to the storehouse of the kingdom. Shebna was appointed even before King Hezekiah took the throne and he was appointed during the reign of Hezekiah's father, uh, Ahaziah. And, but it is now that we find God at a place where he is angry with Shepna. And Shepna's responsibilities are to keep the storehouse of the kingdom of God. It is Shepna's responsibility that whenever there is a need in the kingdom of God, that Shebna makes sure that the storehouse is opened. Likewise, it is Shebna's responsibility that when there is a need in the kingdom of God, that the storehouse is not only open, but that it is secure at other times so that thieves and robbers cannot have access to the assets of the kingdom of God. But history and scripture reveals to us that Shebna was a man that was not dependable. The scripture reveals to us that Shebna was a man that God could not depend upon him. At times when the doors were supposed to be open, they were not open. And at other times when the doors, Brother Moore, should have been secured by this man's responsibilities, they were left unsecured. And if you begin to study, you will find a characteristic concerning Shebna that Shebna's focus was not really on the kingdom of God. But Shebna's concern was focused primarily on his own well-being. You will find that over and over again, it appears to us that Shebna made decisions not based on the good of the kingdom of God, not based on the call and commission of God's hand upon his life, but Shebna rather was making decisions based on the convenience of his own desires, based on the convenience of his own wants. And so it is that the 
kingdom of God begin to exist in neglect. You can understand what it would be like for an entire kingdom who is depending on this man to be in position and doing what he's supposed to do to try and operate when in fact he could not be trusted. He could not depend on him. You were not sure whether Shebna was going to be doing what he was supposed to be doing or whether he was going to be distracted or consumed by something else going on in his life. History tells us that Shebna even built and developed a a, a tomb of sorts uh, to his own honor uh, before he ever passed away. Uh, he was not concerned with the reputation of the kingdom of God but he was preoccupied uh, with his own reputation. He was preoccupied uh, with his own things uh, until finally uh, God came to a place uh, that he said I want you to go uh, and begin to prophesy uh, and I want you to let Shebna know uh, that I am going to remove him. Uh, I'm going to cut him uh, out of the kingdom of God. Uh, and I want you to let him know uh, that I have found another young man uh, by the name of Eliakim. Uh, and I can trust uh, Eliakim. Uh, and I can depend uh, on Eliakim. Uh, and I'm going to take the anointing uh, that I had uh, on Shepna uh, and I'm going to put it instead uh, upon Eliakim uh, and it's going to be Eliakim uh, that carries those keys uh, and carries the weight of responsibility uh, and the scripture tells us in verse 24 uh, that upon him uh, shall hang all the glory uh, of his father's house uh, the offspring and the issue uh, and all vessels uh, of small quantity uh, from the vessels of cups uh, even to the vessels uh, of flagons uh, God said I've got to have uh, somebody uh, that I can trust uh, got to have somebody uh, that I can depend on uh, and the word of the Lord uh, declares to us uh, that I will make him uh, a nail uh, in uh, a sure place uh, and I will hang uh, my glory uh, upon uh, him uh, could I just cut to the chase tonight uh, and let us know uh, that in the building of the kingdom of God uh, God uh, has to have people that he can depend on. God has to have people that he can trust with his glory. People that he can trust with his resources. I don't know about you tonight, but I want God to make me a nail in a sure place. It was not above God Brother Stewart, to address Shebna and let him know I'm trying to hang my glory upon you. And every time I try to, the nail fails me. You're no longer operating as a nail in a sure place. And it is befitting tonight. 
that the vernacular used in the text includes the word nail because over and over again in scripture we find the common theme of buildings and construction when the Lord is trying to describe for us what the kingdom of God is like. And I want to take a brief moment tonight because in the universe of building and in the universe of construction, oftentimes the importance of a nail can be overlooked. In the grandiosity of evaluating the large structures and the beams and the trusses and the miles of electrical wire and the tons of concrete and all of the products and all of the resources, it is easy to overlook the importance of the nail that holds everything together. Did you know that when an engineer engineers a building, that right on the same list of things they have to calculate for with support structures and, 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 and trussing and all of those things, they have to engineer the fasteners all the way down to the nails that are used. They, they have to, they engineer for every building that is built. There are certain nails that have to go in certain places. How many of you understand that not all nails are not the same? And so the engineer has to figure out what kind of nail has to go here and what kind of nail has to go there and how many nails is it going to take in order to properly secure uh, this part of the building uh, and, and does it have to be 16 uh, or 18 inches uh, apart from the fasteners and, and there's a whole lot uh, of calculating uh, that goes into something uh, that you and I most of the time uh, never think twice about we don't think about nails because most of the time Hear me, nails get hidden in the building and they get painted over and they're covered up by other things and nobody ever thinks about them after they're in place. But without them, the building would fall apart. Without them, there would be no structure. Without them, nothing would be held. Am I preaching in the right church? Without the nails, every big thing, every large thing cannot remain connected the way it's supposed to be connected. And God said, I've got some nails in my house and in my kingdom that have better recognize uh, the importance uh, of their value uh, and their role uh, in the kingdom of God. We built this pulpit seven or eight years ago, I think it's been. And I don't know how many nails 
we used to put it together. I do know this, that inside of the surface of this desk right here, we put a Bible inside of this pulpit. When we built it, we strapped a Bible into place. So though no, no matter where this desk ever ends up, we know that the word of the Lord is what's inside of this thing. And I don't know how many nails that we used because when we finished building it, the nails got covered up with wood putty and they got covered up with sandpaper and they got covered up with stain and a little bit of paint so that you can't even see them. But you know what, brother and sister Pack? Not one time have I ever had to disassemble this pulpit to check on the nails and make sure that they're still doing what they're supposed to do because when you've got a nail in a sure place you can walk away from that thing and you can be assured that even when you don't see it even when your eyes can't detect it there's some nails that are doing exactly what they were designed to do from the beginning this church campus has parts of it certain parts of buildings that were constructed over 50 years ago. Over 50 years ago, there were men on this campus with hammers and nails that were driving the nail into a sure place. And here we are 50 something years later and you've never seen the nails, your eyes have never beheld them, but for 55 years, those nails have been right where the architect put them, holding where they're supposed to be through hurricanes, through rainstorms, through fires, through adversity, those nails, and we look at this incredible edifice, and we miss the point that it is the power of a nail in a sure place that allows the greatness of a building to remain standing. And so it is in the kingdom of God that in order for there to be a great house, God has to have some nails that are in a sure place. You understand tonight that there are many different kinds of nails. And none of them are more important than others. Because it takes all the different kinds of nails to make the whole building work together. I'm going to find us here in a minute. Did you know that in construction, there's all kind of different nails? and Nails hold things together two kinds of ways. Number one, they hold things together by friction in the axial direction. 
They hold things together tight by the pressure of friction. And then they also provide sheer weight support depending on how they are made and the depth into the material that they are driven. And there are all kind of different nails that are used in construction. You, you have aluminum nails and, and you have box nails and you have what they call brads and tacks and you have casing nails and you have coffin nails and you have coil nails and you have common nails and you have convex nails and you have copper nails and you have corrugated nails and you have d-head nails and you have double-ended nails and you have double-headed nails. I know you think that's who you married, but that's not what we're talking about tonight. And then you have uh, fasteners that they call dowels. Uh, and you've got drywall nails. Uh, and you've got fiber cement nails. Uh, and you've got T-head nails. Uh, and you've got what's known as a veneer pin. Uh, and you've got finish nails. Uh, and you've got gang nails. Uh, maybe that's what I am. And you've got uh, hardboard nails. And you've got horseshoe nails. And you've got joist hanger nails. And you've got lost head nails. And you've got masonry nails. And you've got oval wire nails. And you've got panel nails and there's plastic nails and there's gutter nails and you have ring nails and you have roofing nails and you have what's known as a screw or a spiral shank fastener you have shake nails you have spring nails you have square nails you've got wire nails and you've got wire well Welded nails, lots of different nails that are all important in their role and in their place in the building of a building. And I want to remind the Rock Church tonight that in a great house, God has different nails that are represented in this place tonight. And God did not call you to sit on a sideline and be passive and just a attend a church but when God calls you to the kingdom he decides to use you as part of a building fitly framed together and I need some people to get a hold of a revelation tonight that you're to be a nail in a sure place you are appointed by God to be a nail in a sure place God's called you to be a nail. Nails stay put. When the master architect designs their position in place, a nail in a sure place gets in position and it remains where it's supposed to be. And when God fills you with the Holy Ghost and God places his hand upon you, 
there is a quality about your life that God said, I'm going to put you uh, in a place in the kingdom of God. Uh, and when I get you there, uh, it's your responsibility uh, to be a nail uh, in a sure place. Uh, I've got to have somebody uh, that I can, I got to have some Eliakims uh, that I can depend on uh, to be uh, where they're supposed to be. Uh, I can't have any Shepness uh, that I'm not sure what's happening with them, uh, that I'm not sure exactly uh, where they're, come on, I'm preaching to somebody in the building. Uh, God is looking to challenge uh, some of us in this place tonight. Uh, it's time to become uh, a nail uh, in a sure uh, place. God said, if I'm going to hang my glory on something, I cannot be wondering from day to day whether or not it's going to be where it's supposed to be. Come on. If I'm going to hang my glory upon something, I cannot have to worry about from week to week, are those nails doing what they're supposed to do? Is it safe to walk in here tonight? Maybe the nails in the roof have decided that they're tired. Or, or maybe they got mad at one another and had a big fight. And so they decided to take the time off from their place. In, I'm not, no, 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 no. God said my great house is going to be built upon people that get a revelation that I'm going to be a nail in a sure place. You've heard me say it. Please entertain my folly tonight as I say it again. The greatest ability you possess is availability and dependability. It does not matter how gifted or talented that you are because if you are undependable, and you are unavailable, then your gifting means nothing in the kingdom of God. I knew I wasn't going to get a lot of amens right there. Your abilities mean nothing if God can't depend on them. Your abilities mean nothing if they are unavailable to God and they're only available when you're on top of the world and when things are going your way. And wait, come on somebody. Can I remind you from the sermon this morning that the clay has no power over the potter. I said the clay has no power over the potter. The potter makes us what we will and we've got to come to a place where we simply say yes God yes Lord I'm available to you God I'm available to you God wants us to be a nail in a sure place God's problem with Shebna was he hung his glory on him and when God was ready to do certain things, Shepna was unreliable. I'm going to tell you, there's people under the sound of my voice frustrated because you're asking God for things that God is waiting to have a candid conversation with you and remind you 
that he who becomes a, a good ruler over little things, God will make a ruler over great things. Some of us are wanting God to entrust us with things that are on a level we've never tested, been tested or tried on. You see, before those nails are ever issued for use, they have to be tested. They're going to test those batches of nails. They're going to test its strength. They're going to test its ability to hold on to what it's supposed to hold on to. If you ever... Anybody ever tried to hang a really nice picture that, that you paid a lot of money for? I got three people that bought a painting worth a lot of money. Let me rephrase it. Has anybody ever hung a picture that you paid all the money you could pay for that picture before? And you wanted to make sure that when you let go of that picture on the wall, that it did not fall. Have you ever had something fall that you hung up because the nail didn't stay where it was supposed to? Come on, where's Bob the Builder at in the building? There's nothing more frustrating than to take something of value and place it in the, in the care of something uh, that its only job is to stay put uh, and stay rigid uh, and don't move uh, than to have that thing fall. Uh, I believe there's nothing more frustrating to God in his kingdom uh, when God said there are some things uh, that I'm trying to accomplish. Uh, there's some things that I'm trying to do, uh, but every time uh, I put my weight on that person, uh, they fall. Uh, every time uh, I put my weight on that person. I can't find them anymore. Y'all going to make me break it down to Chinatown tonight. I want to promote them and use them. But they can't even be faithful to choir. See, y'all want me to preach about big stuff. Let's handle the little things first. Well, I'm a choir member, but just not right now. How come? Well, you see, what had happened uh, was that's not a nail in a sure place. Woo, it's going to get quiet up in here. You might as well shout now. Come on. You're looking for God to do greater and bigger things. God said, I'm waiting for you to be a nail in a sure place with the small things that I've given you, with the small tasks that I've given you. How's Sunday school going? Well, I'm not teaching Sunday school anymore. Well, how come? Well, weren't you just in the altar with your hands in the air saying, Lord, use me? Some of y'all, some of y'all need to quit singing that song. Lord, I'm available to you. No, you ain't. And for where God is taking this church, God needs some nails in a sure place. Come on. 
I said, God's looking for some of us to graduate to a place of responsibility in our life where God can depend on us, where God can count on us, where God can put us in position and walk away and never have to worry whether or not we're going to show up and never have to worry whether or not we're going to be on task and never have to worry whether or not we're going to be doing what I wish I had a witness in the building. God is looking for some He's looking for some Eliakims. And I'm preaching to some people in the building that if you keep messing around with God there will come a point in time where God will take the glory he was going to put on your life and he'll put it on somebody else's. Come on, I, I wish I had a church in the building tonight. God's kingdom doesn't surround us. God's kingdom doesn't revolve around us. You know what? If I quit doing what God called me to do, and if I stop being what God wants me to, God will get me out of the way. And he'll put somebody else in position that he can hang his glory. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want God to look at me and say, I've got to cut you off. And I've got to take the burden that was on you and put it on somebody else because you are not a nail in a sure place. God, help us tonight to be everything that you've called us to be. God's calling us to consistency. I said this the other night at the end of service. God's calling some of us to greater levels of consistency in our walk with him. God's calling us to a place where he can depend upon us. Come on, somebody. He's calling us to be a nail in a sure place. Come on, I'll tell you what God's doing tonight. God's turning the picture around like the potter. Come on, I know you want everybody to see your good side, but God wants to work on your dependability in the kingdom of God. God wants to work on your availability in the kingdom of God. The scripture specifically uses terminology that tells us that we are a building fitly framed together. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. What a perfect example because that cornerstone has to be solid. That cornerstone can't move. It can't be shifty. It can't change positions. And God said, I'm setting the example. That's what God wants us to be. Come on. God's calling you from the way of the world that you live in. I know sloppiness is acceptable in the world we live in. I know that it's not that important anymore in society to be punctual. Things like, oh, I just hit a stump right there. I know that the world just kind of makes light of things like being on time. But you serve an on-time God. And that's part of dependability. Come on, God wants you to pray through over the sloppy lifestyle 
that you've been living uh, with your punctuality uh, late to this, uh, late to that. Uh, that's not a godly character. Uh, that's not a nail in a sure place. Uh, God wants us uh, to be dependable. Lord, help me. I lost all my shouters tonight. Or some of us will be on time every day for work, but late to everything going on at church. We're like Shebna. I got more focus and importance on my personal life than I do on my life living for God. Okay, there's a third option. Some of y'all ain't, ain't on time anywhere. That's why you ain't got a job. That's why you can't keep a job. God wants to heal you from that. God wants to give you victory in that part. I'm preaching uh, really good right now. God wants to give you victory uh, in that part of your life. Uh, why? Because that's part of the characteristic uh, of being dependable uh, and available. Uh, come on, you ought to be the most punctual person uh, at your job every day. Uh, you ought to be the one setting, I'm, I'm, I'm getting some funny looks tonight. Uh, you ought to be the one setting the trend at work uh, for punctuality uh, and availability uh, and dependability. Uh, don't let them think the God you serve is a sloppy God. Don't let them think the God you serve is a late God, a tardy God. No, baby, I serve an on-time God. Ain't it something when we're willing to forfeit anointings that God has for us because we won't discipline ourselves to be on time? We won't bring our life into alignment with the disciplines of God's requirements in order for him to use us. Go to work every day and follow the rules. Go to work every day, follow the dress code. Go to work every day, yes sir, yes ma'am. Respectful, good attitude. Why? Because if you don't, they'll fire your tail. And then come to the house of God and treat God's house and God's kingdom as if it is some secondary place. The devil is a whole lie. God is calling some of us to be a nail in a sure place. I tell you what God wants to do for some of us. If you'll get in a prayer room with God, if you'll get in a place of prayer with God, God will put some things inside of you that'll change the way you live for him. And when you go back out into your world uh, God's favor uh, and anointing uh, and dominion uh, will be on your life God wants us to be a nail in a sure place you can't build a house without nails And it's one thing for us to shout, dance, and jump over great dreams and visions. But somewhere, those visions and dreams have to come to a world of reality where our faith is dead by itself. And so we have to combine works with our faith. 
we have to combine discipline uh, with our faith. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, we have to take what we say we believe uh, and put it to work uh, in the natural realm uh, if we're going to see what God has come to pass. And for where God is taking this church, Rock Church, God's challenging some of us tonight. It's time to step up to the plate. Some of us have some things to repent over because we're living beneath God's call on our life. Not because of God's call, not because of other people, not because of a lack of opportunity, but we have not brought our life into spiritual discipline so that God can bless us and God can use us and God can hang his glory on our life like he wants to. Don't talk about how great of a ministry you feel like God has called you to. When you can't be faithful to somebody else's call in ministry on the smallest level. Talk about how great of a leader that God has called you to be when you can't be a faithful follower in somebody else's ministry. Come on, talking about I should be leading this and I should be doing that. And the people you're supposed to be working with don't even know where you're at half the time. And don't get a phone call. And you call off and you show up late. You're not ready to be in charge of anything, honey, because you're not a nail in a sure place. You need to get back to an altar and let the Holy Ghost work on you some more until you get a revelation of being a nail in a sure place. It's mighty quiet in here tonight. I want to get back to some simple basics for a few moments because there are three simple key parts of our life that become the testing ground for availability and reliability. And, and it's what I have preached as the three T's our time, our talent, and our treasure. God wants to take some of us to the next level, but we haven't yet made him a priority with our time. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Quit using your excuses about not having time to do things in the kingdom of God when you can sit and play online game for hours at a time. Lord have mercy. Don't tell me how you don't have time to do this or that in the kingdom of God, uh, but you can sit on Instagram uh, and Facebook uh, for an hour and two hours uh, every single day. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, it's not that you don't have time. Uh, it's that you've not prioritized your life uh, to give God the time uh, that he deserves from you. heard me say this before Lord my pants are falling down that's not what you've heard me say before 
Honey, rescue. You might have to come stand up here and just hold on until Jesus comes. Let me just straighten this out while we're here. Yes, I'm losing weight. No, I did not have surgery. <laughs> I'm going to set the record straight for the entire internet because everybody be talking about, he had, he had weight loss surgery. Yeah. Now listen, if you had weight loss surgery, God bless you. I'm happy. Whatever it takes. I, I hope you live a long, healthy life. This ain't weight loss surgery. This is after you've suffered a while. Behavior. <laughs> I might have to wear some suspenders till I can get some different suits. Where was I? Oh, yeah, the three T's. Your time. I don't have time for that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. That's not the real question and answer. Because all of us have the exact same amount of time. Every day that we wake up, every one of us, Brother Moore, last time I checked, have 24 hours in a day. Is that still the case as you know it? 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, 7 days in a week, 4 or 5 weeks in a month, 28 to 31 days depending on what month it is, 12 months in a am I Am I missing anything? We all have the exact same amount of time. The question is never, do you have time? The question is, is it important enough for your time? What you select to do with your time is a reflection on what's important to you. Because you're going to do what's important for you to do. And if social media is important, uh, you're going to make time to use it. Uh, if prayer is not important, uh, then you're going to find excuses uh, to not pray. Uh, if studying, come on somebody, uh, if studying your word uh, is important to you, uh, you're going to allot the time needed uh, to read the word of God. Uh, if it's not important to you, uh, you're going to fill your time with other things. You've got just as much time as anybody else. But your time is a testimony of your heart. God's tired of hearing some of us talk about, I don't have time. God's tired of some of us talking about, we don't have time to serve in a ministry in the church. And I don't have time to teach a Bible study. And I don't have time to pray like I'm supposed to pray. Come on, I'm preaching really good tonight. I'm not the candy man tonight. God wants us to be a nail in a sure place. You give your employer 40 hours a week plus at your job in exchange for a paycheck. How much more has your God been to you than your employer has ever thought about being? Come on, and yet we struggle with giving God two or three hours of our time every time the doors are open to the house. Come on, the devil is an entire lie. It's time for some of us to be a nail in a sure place. While I'm here, I'm going to stop and talk about this. Why is it that so many of us will miss church for things on Sunday?
and yet show up to work on Monday. I'm so sick. Oh, Bishop, oh. I ain't gonna be able to make it to church. Oh. Miracle of miracles on Monday morning. You're able to hold it down, and I'm, I ain't gonna get fired over this sickness. Who's your provider anyway? You ain't fooling God. It's time for you to be a nail in a sure place. Don't ever miss church on Sunday uh, for what you'll go to work for uh, on Monday. Come on, somebody. Brother Keith, I'm preaching with a messed up body right now. I wasn't even going to say anything, but I'm just going to say it. Thursday, I was trying to exercise, and I ripped the lining of my abdomen open. You know what they call that? A hernia. I went to lay down that night and whoop. I've been in pain for three or four days straight. Woke up this morning sick. But I'm going to tell you what's up, Sister Pack. I've never made excuse in living for God. And I came to the house of God this morning uh, and preached like my pants were on fire. And I shouted and worshiped uh, with the rest of y'all. And I might have to go to the doctor on Monday. uh, But baby, my God is going to know that he's my healer. uh, He's my way maker. uh, And if I can limp around at home, uh, I can limp around the sanctuary. uh. I wish I had some believers. uh, You'll stay at home from church uh, and piddle around the house uh, and play games. You ought to just come to the house of God and sat on the pew uh, and given God the praise. No, that's not why my pants are falling down either. Or, or we call... We call on Saturday afternoon. I get a text message. Bishop, I'm not going to be at church tomorrow. I'm sick. Hold on a second. It's Saturday afternoon. You're prophesying and predicting that tomorrow morning when you wake up, I plan on being so sick that I can't. And I just want to let you know ahead of time. Come on, you ain't fooling nobody. It's time to get a hold of your flesh and to get a hold of the excuses you're feeding yourself. Uh, Come on, I need a church up in the building. Uh, Oh, we're living in the last days. I'm not going to take the mark. Bless God. They're going to have to chop my head off. Who are you trying to fool? You won't get out of bed because of a headache. And you're saying that you're committed so much they can chop your head off? You'll be the first one. It's time for some of us to endure some hardness uh, like a good soldier. uh, And come on uh, and say, come on, God, uh, I'm giving you my best. uh, And I might have to limp. uh, I might have to cough. uh, I might have to take some Advil. uh, I might have to rub some deep blue on my back. uh, I might have to take a Tylenol. uh, But I'm going to be in the house of God uh, because I'm a nail uh, in uh, a sure place. I'm 
preaching better than some of y'all shouting. I promise you, if I told you tonight that if you could go six months and not miss a single church service or be late, you'll get a check for a million dollars. There ain't a single person in the building who would not be on time and not miss church. You'd come to church with the sniffles. You'd come to church with the broken leg. Come on. You'd be, oh, I'll get it fixed later, but I ain't missing out on that million dollars. I know I got a cut on my head, but uh, they could sew it up after church. I ain't missing. Take the million dollars away uh, and just replace it with the faithfulness of God that's been in your life all these years. Uh, he deserves that kind of commitment from you uh, any old way. God's calling some of us out of our lazy excuses missing church on Sunday nights. Missing church on midweeks. It's time for you to get more committed to the kingdom of God than you are the things of the world. I'm not backing up one inch tonight. If we want great glory in our life, we've got to have great commitment to the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not being unreasonable. I realize there's times physically, literally can't be here. Brother Leo was in surgery a couple times recently. He, they had him locked up with IVs. He wouldn't, he would have had to break out of jail to come to church, the hospital jail. But it's time for some of us to put our excuses away and start being mature Christians in our walk with God. It ain't going to kill you to get involved in a couple of ministries in this church to give a few extra hours of your time serving in the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody. Our time. The second thing that God wants is our talent. Do you know how much talent is sitting on these pews? Untapped resources for the kingdom of God. Because one of two things. Number one, we're belligerently unwilling to give God the talent he gave us. Or number two, we will not live our life in a qualified manner so that God can use us. We refuse to pray through and let go of sin and let go of worldliness so that God can use the talent that he's given us. God's going to require some accountability out of us for the gifts and talents that he's given us. God may have allowed you to make a living with your gifts, but that's not the reason he gave them to you. 
Come on, I said that's not the reason he gave them to you. He gave them to you for the benefit of serving him, for the benefit of the kingdom of God. If you get to make a living with your talent, that's just a side bonus from God. But somebody better get a fresh revelation tonight that my talents and my abilities belong to God and I cannot withhold my talents from God and still be pleasing to him. time for some of us to pray through and discipline our lives and get past the laziness that renders us powerless and useless with our talents. I'm just going to preach some stuff as it comes to me tonight. Some of us, it's time to get some discipline in our lives. And quit going to bed at 2 and 3 every, every morning. And wondering why you can't function the next day and be what God's calling you to be. Yeah. 99% of the time you're up on your phone or computer on YouTube or some other kind of screen activity. Somewhere you've got to exemplify some responsibility that says, I got to be my best for God tomorrow. I got to be my best for my, my husband and my wife and my children tomorrow. I got to be my best in the kingdom of God. I've got to lay down so that when I get up in the morning, I can be, come on, I'm preaching to some people in the building about being a nail in a sure place. How old are you going to be and still keep using the same excuse that I slept through my alarm? Maybe I'll sit down and preach the rest of this. How old are you willing to literally be and keep using those kind of excuses? That I didn't hear my alarm and I set my alarm and I shut my alarm off. and I, That's the kind of stuff I used to say when I was 11 years old in middle school. But there comes a point of maturity in your life uh, where you get, get, come on, you take some responsibility uh, for who you are. Uh, come on, Brother Daniel, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, somewhere you got to be a man uh, and say, I got things to do. Uh, I got responsibilities. Uh, I got to get up. In the, if I stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning doing dumb stuff, uh, then I'm just going to pay the price uh, and get up in the morning and be uh, where I'm supposed to be. Come on, I'm talking about being. See, you think this stuff has nothing to do with the kingdom of God, but you can't, you're not a transformer. You can't live one way in the world and then come in here and expect to be any different in here. That sloppiness and laziness, uh, and unre it'll move right over uh, into your walk with God and the kingdom of God. God wants your time and he wants your talent. Come on, I'm preaching to us tonight. This idea that we can just withhold our talent from God. I'm in God, you're going to have to talk to my agent. I'm not available right now. I'm not, can you imagine? I'm not available right now. When God sent his disciples to go find the colt tied at the pole, you know what their concern was? How are we just going to walk up and take somebody else's resource? He said, you tell them the Lord hath need of him. 
Because when the Lord hath need of him, there's no rope or chain that can keep that resource tied up uh, and unused in the kingdom of God. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody in the Holy Ghost. Uh, the Lord uh, hath need of thee. Our time, our talent, and our treasure, our financial resources, our financial resources represent the fruit of our labor. And they speak volumes about our commitment to things in life. The scripture tells us that money answereth all things. Now, don't misquote that. It doesn't say that money is the answer to all things. It says money answereth all things. And if you do your studying and research, you will find that what that scripture means is that money testifies. It's a witness on the stand, and it answers all the questions that are asked about what's important to you. Money answereth all things. You want to know what's important to somebody? Open their checkbook. Come on. You want to know what's important? You're a banker. You know what I'm talking about. Just look at the check register. Their money will testify how important McDonald's is to them. $350 McDonald's bill every month. That's low for some of y'all. They will tell you how important going out to eat is because they spend more on that than their mortgage payment. Lord, it's getting quiet up in here. And yet we will come and shout about how much God means to us and be unfaithful in our tithes and offering. Oh, God means everything to me. Really? That's not what, you're that's not what the witness on the witness stand says. Matter of fact, the witness says there's a whole lot of other things a lot more important than the kingdom of God to you. Woo, it's quiet up in here. But if you're going to be a nail in a sure place, God's got to have some dependability. Listen, folks, I'm just going to talk plain to you. I appreciate your shouting, running, and jumping, but I can't buy toilet paper with shouts. I appreciate you running the aisles, but I can't pay the electric bill every month in this church on you running the aisles. Woo, Lord, it's tied up in here. You know all them good meals you like to enjoy on Fifth Sunday and, and all those different things? Hey, we didn't buy those from Hallelujah's. Just the electric bill for a, a campus of this size is more than probably two or three of y'all's mortgage payments combined. How are we going to do what God's called us to do? God's got to have some dependability. Come on. 
You can't be faithful to God for three months at a time and you're giving. And then all of a sudden you, you're not sure and so you quit giving for a while and then you give half and then sometimes you give for another month. No, 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 no. God wants us to be a nail in a sure place. The only way we're going to build the house that God wants us to build is he has to have a nail in a sure place. God's developing us to a place where you're consistent in giving your tithes for the rest of your life. And your offering. See, some of us get disconnected from, we pull up in a paved parking lot show up in a building with lights and lots of space and all the accoutrements of everything that we have. It doesn't just happen. Somebody's got to pay for it. Guess who that somebody is? Some of y'all trying to point at me. It's us. We're responsible for what God's put in our hearts. Come on, I said we're responsible uh, for the vision of this house. We're responsible for the dreams uh, coming to pass that God is. We're responsible. Come on, uh, God needs every person in this building uh, faithful uh, in their tithing and in their offering uh, so that we can do the things uh, that God has put in our heart to do. And it's, it's crazy because some of the people that complain the most are the ones that give the least. I rarely hear faithful people complain about how hot it is. The loudest complainers, your giving report doesn't show you've contributed anything to what you're complaining about. Oh, see, I knew it was going to get quiet up in here. You know what faithful people do? I never hear them complain about anything. Uh, they've just got a revelation uh, of being faithful to the kingdom of God uh, and understanding that God's going to make a way. Uh, well, come on, somebody. Uh, it's time to quit being a complainer uh, and be a nail uh, in a sure place. You know, when you bring the tithing to the house of the Lord, if you study scripture, contrary to how we often quote it, music, come and give them some hope tonight. Contrary to how we quote scripture, you will never find pronouns in front of the word tithing that say my tithing or your tithing bring your tithing bring my you want to know why because it's not yours or mine to begin with it's his when you bring your tithing to the house of the Lord how many of you really understand you haven't given God anything yet come on am I in a Bible believing church when you bring your tithing to the house of the Lord, you haven't even given anything to God yet. All you've done is returned what already belonged to Him. 
Y'all was shouting over all the other scriptures and you're going to sit on this one, huh? The same Bible that said all the other stuff. When we bring our tithing to the house of the Lord, the only thing we've accomplished at that point is we have avoided being labeled a thief. I mean, wouldn't it be something? Do you have your keys, honey? Look at that precious little angel right there. Wouldn't it be something? Here's the keys to a Jeep Grand Wagoneer. Where's Isaac? Well, he's already up there, and so is Judah. Okay, what how'd she use Devin? What if Devin came running up to me and said, hey, Bishop, I got something I want to give you. I got the keys to a Grand Wagoneer, and I'm so proud of myself, I'm giving it to you. He didn't give me nothing. This was already my Grand Wagoneer. Matter of fact, you're lucky you returned the keys before I called the cops on you for stealing it. When you bring your tithing to the Lord, don't get all excited. All you've done is avoid being a thief in the kingdom of God. You simply returned what belonged to him already. Some of us want God's glory to rest on our life while we're operating as a thief in the kingdom of God, not giving our tithes an offering. It's quiet up in here. If God can't trust you with 10% of what you got now, why should he give you more than that? If God adjusted some of our income to the percentage of our giving you'd lose everything tomorrow Woo-wee. I don't know about you but I gotta be a nail in a sure place <laughs> but when I get done bringing my tithe to the house of the Lord now I'm going to ask God to help me really give something to the kingdom. And my offering represents what's coming from my heart to the kingdom of God. Tithing doesn't come from the heart. Tithing is duty. It's your duty to bring your tithing. It's devotion to bring your offering. Come on, somebody. I said it's duty to bring your tithing to the house of the Lord. But it's devotion that brings an offering to the house of God. If you want to see a great house, if you want to see spectacular things in the kingdom of God, it's got to start with God's people being a nail in a sure place with our time and our talent and our treasure. I want us to stand all over the building tonight. I know this is a little bit different 
style of preaching we're accustomed to and used to tonight. But I feel God making some adjustments in our spirit tonight to get us prepared for what's coming to this house. There have been a couple of times now in the history of us being here at the Rock Church that we have taken and, and, and ushers and uh, staff, if you can help me prepare. How many of you know what these are? Media, if you can help me out with that image on the screen. How many of you have ever seen those hung up in the VIP room here at the church? Those came from services like this where people made up in their mind and their spirit and said, I'm going to be a nail in a sure place. I want God to know that he can trust me. I want God to know that he can depend on me. And I'll tell you what we're going to do tonight. There are many people in this service that were not here or have not been in the church long enough to have been in any of these services. But tonight we're going to give you the first opportunity to drive a nail into this wood with your name next to it that is going to stand as a testimony that God, I'm going to be a nail in a sure place. God, as I drive this nail, I want you to know that I'm recommitting myself to the kingdom of God. I'm recommitting myself to the vision of what you're doing and where you've planted me. Here's what I want us to do. For everybody who has not had an opportunity before to drive a nail into one of these pieces of wood, I want you to come first. Come on, come up to these pieces of wood that are here tonight. I want you to just get right in front of them. If you've never had the opportunity and you're here tonight, here they come all over the house. I want you to get ready as they assist me and, and prepare. And just hold, hold on just a moment. Hold on just a moment. Here's what we're going to do. I want the rest of us, because all of us tonight, all of us are going to have the opportunity, even if you've already done this before, we're going to commemorate tonight's service. So I want everybody else to come in as close as you can tonight. Come on, everybody else that isn't at the front yet, I want you to come in as close as you can behind everybody else. And here's what we're going to do tonight. As we begin, I, I need my pastoral staff, at least one of you at each of these stations. Come on, Pastor Hammond, Pastor Spilaza, Pastor Trevor Sloss, Pastor Wayne Sloss, and your wives, please, if you can help me at each of these stations tonight. Here's what we're going to do. As we commit ourselves tonight to being a nail in a sure place, we're going to pray together one with another. I want us to lay our hands on each of these precious people of God. And we're going to pray that as we make these commitments to the kingdom of God, that God's windows of heaven will be opened over our life. 
that we'll be blessed in our time and our talent and our treasure in the kingdom of God. Would you help me all over this place tonight? Come on. As they begin to play right now, I want us to begin to pray one with another. Come on, wherever you're standing, would you stretch your hands forward tonight? Come on, if you're at the wood, it's your turn. I want you to get that hammer and a nail and drive it all the way into that piece of wood tonight. And then put your name next to it. And let every devil in hell know that I'm going to be a nail in a sure place. I'm going to be somebody that God can depend on. I'm going to be somebody that God can trust. Come on. Two at a time. Three at a time. Get every hammer going. Come on. Get every hammer going. In the name of Jesus. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Let's pray. Come on. Let's pray. I'm going to be a nail in a sure place tonight. Come on. Come on, I'm going to be a nail in a sure place tonight. tonight but this is symbolic I want the enemy to know I'm here to stay God you can count on me you can trust me God you can hang your glory on my life tonight come on in Jesus name come on in Jesus name come on in Jesus name I want to
Jesus' name. That's it. Make me 